Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Good morning, y'all. I'm Chris Givens. I will be reading from Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through 21. Brothers and sisters, become imitators of me and watch those who live this way. You can use us as models. As I have told you many times, and now say with deep sadness, many people live as enemies of the cross. Their lives end with destruction. Their God is their stomach, and they take deep pride in their disgrace because their thoughts focus on earthly things. Our citizenship is in heaven. We look forward to a Savior that comes from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform our humble bodies so that they are like his glorious body by the power that also makes him able to subject all things to himself. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Chris, thanks so much for reading the scripture. You're repping Georgia today, aren't you? Good job, man. Just a reminder, we're going to have a town hall meeting in this room next week at noon after we have completed the 11 o'clock service. It's a meeting just to kind of give you information about kind of how things went in 2021, where we're headed in 2022, and we'll have some leadership board members here to give you some more information, and that'll happen at noon, no more than 30 minutes. And so for those of you that may be thinking, especially those of you online may be thinking, I can't get there. Uh, well, we're going to record it. We're not going to live stream it. We're going to record it, though, and we will make a link available uh following that so people can see the recording and at least hear the information that was that was shared so we have there's the big game today i mean i, I, I know you're gonna, your tv's probably going to be on at noon as soon as you get home because that's when maryland and purdue men's basketball game is <laughs> right yeah uh-huh. oh i know it's the super bowl super bowl sunday i'm kind of surprised you're here i mean sometimes some people start really early in the day right so i'm glad you're here um there's, uh, it's the, it's the most, uh, it's the, it's the biggest unofficial holiday in America. Um, it's estimated, it's estimated that 17 and a half million workers plan not to go to work tomorrow. I mean, it's not right. They're not waiting to see how they feel in the morning. They're just saying, nope, I'm calling in sick tomorrow, planning on it to start with. Well, I've always, I've always been a sports fan. I uh, played all the sports, you know, growing up and all the way through high school, played everything and enjoyed it very much. I enjoyed it so much when I went to college. I actually got a degree in physical education. Uh, now I think they call it kinesiology. makes it sound harder. Um, but it, that's, that's what I majored in because I thought I, that's my love. I love doing sports. And so I've always kept up with those kinds of things. And one of the things that just so much impresses me these days is the athleticism of athletes. I mean, and it's not just at the professional ranks. Man, it, it's all the way through, uh, from high school on. And, and also, something that's changed over the years is the size of the athletes, right? I mean, what? Uh, and today, you know, we're going to see some very large men push each other around um, on, a, on a field. Um, so the size of NFL players have changed. Some of you might remember uh, Randy White. He was nose tackle for the Dallas Cowboys, Late 70s into the, all through the 80s, uh, great. I mean, all pro, Hall of Fame, the whole thing. He's 6'4", so he's pretty tall, but he only weighed 257 pounds. There's no way he could play that same position today. He's not big enough. 
When I was a kid, I, I read a lot of sports biographies, and one of the football players I remember reading about, I loved his name. His name is Bronco Nagurski. Best football name ever, right? If you don't play football, that's the name you need. Uh, Bronco Nagurski played in the 1930s. He was six foot two and weighed 226 pounds. Now, that's a pretty good sized guy, right? And he was a running back. That's a pretty good sized guy today. Well, especially then, because the average size of the, of the defensive lineman in those days was six foot one, 210 pounds. So imagine, scale it to today, a running back who weighs about 340 is quick, agile, fast. That's a scary thought, right? He was much larger than all the other players. The, the dominant offensive lineman in the 1920s was 5'11", 245. And he was, he was like the largest offensive lineman in the league at the time. So this is one that kind of brings it to today. In the 1950s, the average offensive lineman was the same size as many of today's quarterbacks. Matt Stafford, who will be playing in the Super Bowl today, is six foot two, 234 pounds. That is the exact average size of linemen, offensive linemen in the 1950s. It's changed a lot. Well, we invest a lot of, our, a lot of money and time and effort uh, on, our, on our bodies uh, one way or another, right? We do that for, for some good reasons. I mean, obviously, for health. I mean, between all the, the whatever medications we get and the supplements we take and the, uh, the surgeries to replace a shoulder, a knee, a, a hip, um, all kinds of things we do for our health. So we can stay much healthier, much longer in our lives than, than was true back uh, years ago. So that's, that's a good thing. We also, of course, uh, there's the never-ending pursuit of beauty. Quote-unquote beauty, whatever that is. Uh, we spend a lot of time, energy, and money in that pursuit as well. But anymore, part of the, part of the difficulty is, is that our bodies have really become a battleground. Mask or not mask? Vax or don't vax? Skin color? Gender differences? Man, it's, our bodies have kind of become a battleground anymore. It's, it's almost like everything about our bodies is now making a political statement somehow. That's really unfortunate. That's really unfortunate because it really confuses the whole issue of what Bible teaches our body is about. Because our, our value is not based on our bodies. What you look like, all the, all the things that go with that, that's, that's not what our value is based on. Now, our, our bodies are an expression or a manifestation of our soul. Many, many weeks ago, I was doing a, a message here and uh, talked about the biblical understanding of soul. We often think of soul as just what's inside us. Well, the biblical understanding of soul, it was really two parts. One part was that, that what's inside of us, our, our heart, so to speak, that, um, uh, that invisible, intangible thing that makes you, you. The way you think, the way you feel, the way you process, the, all those things. That you, the unique you is, is part of your soul. The other part of your soul is, is the fact that you're a living, breathing human being. That soul resides in a body. And so those, were, those went hand in hand 
in the biblical understanding of soul. And so when we understand the body as something other than that, we, we really miss the mark. We really misunderstand what God intends for us. But we live in a culture where there's a lot of idolatry of the body. Uh, whether it's uh, athletes taking performance-enhancing drugs to try to get an advantage, whether it's the uh, pursuit of beauty that, that some folks do, or, or a situation that was actually going on in the, for, for the Philippian church that's true in our culture today, too. And it's the pursuit of pleasure. Well, we were created for more than all this. See, Paul is addressing a challenge uh, in the uh, Philippian church uh, in, in what, was what Chris read just a little bit ago. Now, he's done this before. He's, he's been addressing the challenges all along, except early on it was a little bit different challenge. Remember, he called, he'd referred to his opponents, the enemies, the dogs, he called them. And that was the people who, who were trying to exert influence over new Christian believers to tell them, First, you have to become Jewish. You have to do all the Jewish things. You have to, be, if you're male, be circumcised. You have to follow, follow the Jewish law. Even the, the dietary restriction, you have to do all of that in order to be baptized and then believe in Jesus and be a Christian. And Paul is saying, no, that is not the case. You, you become a Christian by, by believing and professing and following Christ. It, that, no, that's not right. Well, now he's addressing a little bit different issue, and it's, it's really more of, a, more of a cultural issue. It's not so much people who are working to, to change the way people believe. It's, just, it's more something that's in their culture. In, in that day and time, it was, uh, uh, one, of the, one of the kind of cultural influences was uh, an Epicurean philosophy. Epicureans, you know, every philosophy in the ancient world was trying to answer the question, what is the good life? What is the good life? And how do you get the good life? Well, for the Epicureans, it was the enjoyment of pleasure. To them, that was the good life, enjoyment of pleasure. Now, they didn't mean that so much in the sense of of, uh, going crazy. It could have been really enjoying a beautiful sunset, the enjoyment of that pleasure of the sunset, enjoying a really great meal. But there were those who, of course, took it too far. Took it way too far. Okay, so that's going on in the culture. Then, which not unlike our culture, I think. And then you have these people who are becoming Christians, following uh, the way of Jesus. And part of what they hear is how Christ has set you free. How you have been released from your sins. Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the grave means that you are no longer imprisoned to your sin. God's grace forgives you. And so... There were some who began to think, well, wait, wow, if God's grace is so available and God will forgive me for whatever, wow, I can just kind of do whatever, because God's going to keep forgiving me. Paul addresses that very directly in Romans chapter 6 and and really in the book of Galatians as well. No, Paul, no. That's, that's not the point of God's grace, that it's so abundant that, yeah, just go do whatever you want to do. That's not the point of the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul even, even uses the phrase, their God is their stomach. That's part of what he's referring to is this sense of indulgence. Because then that begins to be just about me, which is certainly not 
the reason that Christ died. Paul indicates that our bodies, our physical existence, is to be a witness to our faith. So that, so that if, our, if our heart is aligned with Christ, if we say, yes, I believe Jesus was the Son of God, I've invited Jesus into my heart, yes, I want to live in love like Jesus, well then, because our body is also part of our soul, that's got to be consistent. There's got to be a consistency there that we live that way, the way Jesus lived and would want us to live. So there's no need to take this to any kind of uh, extreme, although some do. Some say, well, then we're going to go live in a very remote area where no one can find us, or, or, or the people who actually um, uh, uh, punish their bodies, self-flagellation. That's not really what he's getting at either. It's more about, it's more about just living out the faith, living it out. And so it's, it's like saying that our physical, we are physically present in a reality, in a culture that doesn't necessarily align with God's purposes through Jesus Christ. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, Paul says in verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship. We are a people of a different place. That the reality we live in here is not our final destination. This is not the final reality. We prayed just a little, little bit ago. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our allegiance is to that. So our citizenship is there. We just happen to live here now. So, as, as one writer put it, it's like we, we live in a, in a colony. We're here now. We're living in this world. But our allegiance, where we belong... That to which we align our lives is from elsewhere. And so, so it's always the burden of what it means to be in the world, but not of the world. By the ways that we not only say we believe, but the ways that we actually live. And in all of this, Paul, Paul draws us back to, in chapter 2, that Christ hymn that we talked about a couple weeks ago. That Christ in that talked about Jesus, that, that Christ uh, became human, uh, put on the body, humbled himself, became a servant, was obedient. That's our example. He says, have this mind, of Je- Jesus had, have this mind among you, all of you. Think this way, have this perspective. So, so Paul says, in a sense, since Jesus isn't here to watch right now, Paul says, imitate me. I know, some people read that and they think Paul was just full of himself. That was not the case. In, in the day and time, it was perfectly normal and understandable that uh, older uh, people would be mentors, role models to younger people. That, that was understood. And, and so even the, the men and women who were kind of in that role model, they understood they were role models. Was not a, that was not a, an ego thing. That was not a hierarchical thing. They just understood that was now their role to help somebody else know how to do things. I think of it like an apprentice model. Uh, there's still some trades right now where there's, there are apprentices, but boy, it was certainly a matter of uh, survival skills many years ago where you would need to train. You, often it was a son or a daughter. This is how you do this. This is how you build this thing. This is how you take care of the livestock. This is how you plant. This is, 
This is what you do. So that they become very, very proficient. So, and then they might have an apprentice that they help to become proficient. That's what Paul is encouraging us to do. To find those role models among us. Not that somebody's perfect at all. But to find that person that you think, man, they really do that so well. I, I could learn more from them about that. So just some practical things to think about. Who are your role models in the faith? Who are those people you look to? that you're, You know they're not perfect. I know they're not perfect. But those people that you look to and think, well, they, man... They, have, they seem to have limitless compassion. I, I need to learn from them. That person serves without thinking about themselves at all. I need to learn more about that. That person just seems to, uh, the Bible seems to just permeate that person. How do they do that? I need to learn about that. And also the understanding that somebody may be looking to you <laughs> to be a role model. That, we, that our physical existence matches the things that we say that we believe. So another practical thing. I mean, anytime we're thinking about engaging in an action, what we do, how we do it becomes a, a testimony, so to speak. So when that happens, those, just the simple questions. Is, is this faithful to the teaching example of Jesus? Does it look like I'm living and loving like Jesus? Does it communicate genuine care and respect for the other? Which is really important when you're locked in a disagreement of some kind. And as always, put yourself in their place. How would you want someone to treat you? So that how we move and live in this world in our physical existence matches what we say we believe. Well, started all this talking about uh, sports and athletes. Um... Uh, the NFL has various awards, of course, that have all been announced here just in the last week or two. Uh, and, and, but the one that I'm, I'm always most impressed with and, and pay the most attention to, actually, is the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Uh, Walter Payton played for the Chicago Bears, was an, an amazing player, Hall of Fame player, uh, but he also was a great man and really did a lot of great things for other people. This year, the award winner is Andrew Whitworth of the Los Angeles Rams. You'll see him today if you watch the game. Um, Andrew Whitworth uh, has been playing for a long time. He's, a, he's an offensive lineman. I mean, speaking of size, he's like 6'7", 335. He's a, he is a large man. Um, and most importantly, he's a professed Christian. He's a professed Christian. So he was nominated for this from his, by his team, and so this, this, is, what, this is what he does. Whit, this, I'm reading this, this description. Whitworth launched the Big Wit Homes for L.A. Families program at the beginning of the season and pledged to donate $20,000 after each Rams home game. He also made donations to repair homes in his home state of Louisiana and moved uh, Angelinos, Los Angeles residents, facing housing insecurity into affordable homes. In addition, Whitworth works with nonprofits in L.A. to aid people in paying rent, buying groceries, and offers support for down payments and the furnishings of the homes. 
When Hurricane Ida hit Louisiana in August, Whitworth partnered with Rebuilding Together, a program to assist with essential home repairs to damaged homes. You'll notice Andrew Whitworth's physical presence today. You will notice that. Believe me, uh, one way or another. The camera will be on him on occasion. But I hope you'll also know this about him. He's not just a star football player. He's someone who tries to truly live the life that he professes, tries to do things to help others out in the ways that he can. Might even say he's a role model. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for uh, those in our lives that we can look to who live the faith faithfully, and they do so in ways that we can learn so that we can not just think I've, I've got to this all, do it all myself and not think that I've, I've, got to, I've all got it all together, but we look at other people and realize, wow, that person does something in a way that reflects the faith that I can learn from. Help us to learn from those role models and help us also to understand that people might be looking to us to be a role model, to be an example So may we so model the faith in a way that others see the transformative power of your Spirit in us. That though we're not perfect, we do things that are consistent with the love that you have given us. And that we continue to celebrate in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.